Open mine eyes that I may see Glimpses of truth thou hast for me Open mine eyes, illumine me Spirit divine Love of my life, I am crying I am not dying, I am dancing Dancing along in the madness There is no sadness like to invite you to a soul-level encounter. Music has an incredible ability to proclaim the soul's language beyond what mere words can speak. That's what we seek as we invite our guests to share their song of the soul. You will hear the music that has charted the steps of their spiritual journey, that has provided a touchstone in the soul's dark night and sung the heart's awe and joy when come to the light. Over the next hour, you will be a witness and companion to our guests' spiritual path and sacred testimony. Welcome to Song of the Soul. Today, for Song of the Soul, we continue with our visit with John Watts and his Clothe Yourself in Righteousness project. Last week, we got naked in preparation for reclothing ourselves. Now, we explore with John and his inimical style of spoken word, poetry, music, what happens when you make the transition. John is a deep thinker and explorer of the spiritual and musical realms. So rest assured, you'll get some depth and breadth of vision in the listening. And on a side note, I spoke to John a week and a half ago, and in the interim, I contracted one of the diseases a radio announcer dreads, a cold. So though my voice is rocky and sometimes barely there, the show must go on. I'll try to be better for you next week, but in the meantime, settle back, take some slow time to swim on the deep end of the spirit pool, and listen to John Watts drawing from his newly released Clothe Yourself in Righteousness project. So the early friends were my in to the Bible. The environment in which I grew up in was not conducive to studying Christianity. And in a lot of ways, I would say that Christianity has a has a pretty bad rap right now. You know, like the sort of political movement of Christian evangelicals is giving the whole thing a pretty bad name. 
So I've been I've been really hesitant in my life to even go there. There's been a lot of barriers in between me and Christianity and really embracing even words like God. It took me a long time to be able to say a word like God and mean it in a way that I felt like was authentic. And it's not even something that I felt like was worth working on because, you know, they've they've taken it. It's gone. There's some, you know, when you say that, it conjures this image of some big white guy in the sky manipulating everything, and that's not real. That doesn't exist, so why should we say the word? But as I started to explore my own personal spirituality, I realized the word is so important, or at least the concept of, I mean, what do you call that body that we're a part of? What do you call that thing that we serve? You know, I mean, I could, you know, I started with saying, well, it's the infinite or it's the universe or it's the planet, but it's not the self. It's not anything secular. It's not anything secular. I mean, I do think that it can be explained in science, but we don't have an explanation for it right now. And it's the mystery. It is a mystery. And it's a mystery that we're interacting with or that we can be and that we all have access to. So I've been trying to sort of reclaim that word God. And and also in exploring the early friends, I felt called in my own way to start exploring the Bible and scripture. And one of the ways that I'm doing that is through my art, is sort of welcoming in, especially in this moment, in this poem, just welcoming that ancient wisdom that was originally written in Hebrew by people who existed in the present. You know, there was a there was a moment when the Bible, the stories that we know now were being told word of mouth in the present moment and they were alive. That same thing of sort of trying to use that language but bring it into a context in which I feel like it's expressing something for me feels like work that I'm called to and that I'm maybe just starting to explore. I like your exploration. Let's explore a little bit more of your music. The next thing I'd like to share is a couplet of songs. It's two songs that sort of go hand in hand. Their names are Lifted Up and The Burden of Vision. The songs are, they're very personal for me. They're, the first one is first person, Lifted Up is first person, and The Burden of Vision is third person. But they both feel like they're both stories that I'm holding really deeply in my heart. And the seed of the songs... Well, let me let me tell a story real quick. So as I was reading back over James Naylor, over the story of James Naylor, who was the early Quaker in the 17th century who went into Bristol and, you know, got arrested and tried in front of Parliament and whipped through the streets of London, it happened several times in the story that James Naylor became depressed or he became he became unspoken. <laughs> and I tell this story a little bit in Don't Doff Your Hat. But he would go for days without speaking or eating or sleeping. And if someone did that nowadays, you know, we would say, oh, wow, that's that person is probably bipolar or depressed or needs medication or something like that. And yet it was this, you know, the way that the early friends would describe it is sort of this burden of God. That if God is calling you to something and you're having this wrestling match with God about not wanting to do what you're being called to do wanting to say no, wanting to not hear that message, that that can be very heavy, that we can sink into a very difficult place in those times. And in my songwriting, what I've found is that 
sometimes I, I do this sinking. <laughs> I do this kind of like exploration of pain in the song. And it's almost what's most natural for me is this crying out to God, this crying out to the universe about the pain that I'm feeling. And what I say in the beginning of this song that I'm about to share with you, Lift It Up, is um, no. You know, I'm gonna st- I'm gonna I'm gonna make this a I'm gonna make this a prayer of gratefulness. The rest of this song is dedicated to our closeness, to our connection, to our hopefulness. And in the remainder of the song, I sort of explore this concept of the value of our sadness and the value of our the weight that we can feel in the universe and in this world and in this culture. It's very real. Grieving is very important. <laughs> I, can't, I can't say that with enough emphasis. And we just skip right by it. We don't want to do it. We want to take a medication. We want to present ourselves. We want to clothe ourselves in the world in, in happiness and joy and present to the world someone who is together and with it and doesn't feel emotions that are arresting but we have emotions and we have leadings that are arresting that we need to sit with and we need to take a moment with and that we need to give our full attention to and be distracted by and be in a place of hurt or sadness because that's the only way we can get to healing if we ignore it then the place we're going to go is a place of inauthenticity. We're going to hold on to that emotion. We're just going to hide it somewhere in our body, in our muscles or whatever. So both Lifted Up and The Burden of Vision, which I'd like to play for you now, are exploring this concept of the value of grief, the value of sadness, and sort of what our culture has done with that. And embodying this way that art can be our way to navigate through that. As John said, we'll go straight into Lift It Up, and we'll continue right into The Burden of Vision by John Watts. And for a moment there, I was ground down. I had my chin on my chest, infested surround sound. But I took a breath, I took a moment. No, the rest of this poem's dedicated to our closeness. The remainder of my fame is aimed at saving all the hopeless. I'm committed to this human face and focused. And now I'm lifted up, and now I'm lifting others with me When my silence is serenity is a sign I'm living simply And I'm simply living in this complex world that we've been given Yeah, And I salute the Amish and all the other life-affirming products Of considering our tolerance for process It's like a long conversation in which everyone's involved Like a deep breath before you make that phone call It's like a solemn, sullen song that's been written and exists Solely so some lungs can laugh Only after in sadness they've sung along So let's make a contract now A contractual agreement that will only be what we really are And if you're scarred, then let me see your scars If you're lonely, I get lonely too And I'm here to rest with you, or to wrestle you If you need a vessel for the truth I'll be a son of a bitch, or the father of our youth But I'd rather just rest, let's get arrested Your only time can test all this time that we've invested If our settlement gets better in these seven solemn days I'll be a weatherman, predicting all 
all this rain on Faith that intuition is correct Or I'm supposed to be wrong Like writing a song When the notes have a will of their own Or herding cats into a barn When they haven't heard reports That there's a storm on Come on, I'm lifted up And now I'm lifting others with me When my silence is serenity is a sign I'm living simply and I'm simply living In this complex world that we've been given I salute the Amish and all the other life-affirming products of considering our tolerance for process. It's like a long conversation in which everyone's involved, like a deep breath before you make that phone call. It's like a solemn, sullen song that's been written and exists solely so some lungs can laugh only after in sadness they've sung along. Saying maybe our sadness is a natural reaction to the sad state of living that's been so in fashion. This is Babylon and this is heaven on earth. And since the day of my birth, every breath has been work and it's worth it. A solemn, solemn song is just a surface, it's a tool to be used for a purpose. Celebrating life, celebrating yearning, celebrating sadness and our infinite capacity for learning how to be sad and joyful in the midst of all this mess. Learning how to love life and our faithlessness. Learning how to love, yo, especially ourselves Forgiveness is a practice that's essential to my health Forgiveness is the difference between heaven and hell That's not some afterlife shit I'm talking now Sometimes I distance myself because we're not living deeply But there's nothing more shallow than alone And that's the burden of vision It's this gift I've been given And it can help or it can hurt the world I know And now this pit that I've lived in Self-indulgent and rigid Looked a whole lot different from below And now my life on the surface is authentic Its purpose is to be who I'm here to be and grow And now I'm lifted up And now I'm lifting others with me When my silence is serenity is a sign I'm living simply and I'm simply living In this complex world that we've been given Come on And I salute the Amish and all the other life-affirming products of considering our tolerance for process. It's like a long conversation in which everyone's involved, like a deep breath before you make that phone call. It's like a solemn, sullen song that's been written and exists solely so some lungs can laugh only after in sadness they've sung along. in love with the sound of the rain refrain every time around is a little more pain every time around there's a bit less change every time that the sound of the speech is the same he's to blame come on 
And he's to blame for everything that once was, but now isn't. Yo, he's convicted of his own cynicism, and he lives indifferent because it feels like home. He wasn't built for the road, but he studied it so. Now he listens to the rhythm of the television in an inner city kitchen in a little Christian mission, saving souls like his own. Because he knows the hunger, and he knows the fire, and he knows how it feels to reject desire. And if he had another life to live, shit, he wanna live it. But he'd probably find a dead child or saint to give it to. Yeah, we give it to you if you knew him. You're your part of what he loves. The spirit speaks through him, and he looks up. Yeah. Because he worships the infinite, that means everything. He doesn't even hate his own hate. And as the television blares out its lies, he smiles and puts some food upon your plate. Some would call him a saint, but that makes him uncomfortable. Not to say he's too attached to his comfort, he's loving it. Whatever it might be, he's not ashamed to say that he's a subject. Instant gratification gets put off for long walks and talks with God. He doesn't pretend to know why there's so much. Suffering, he just serves the food and goes home and sobs. interfere and he sees it then the beauty in the symphony even in our anger and our fear we are so beautiful you know this life is so beautiful the truth is here and it's clear and he's not blind his eyes are open he can see all the things that we call bad but it's redefined and at times it's spoken he can see and he's free to be sad come on of songs by John Watts, Lifted Up, and the one you just heard, The Burden of Vision, both from his latest release. You can find all about it and see videos related to it on clotheyourselfinrighteousness.com. He is John Watts, J-O-N-W-A-T-T-S. John, I did want to have a couple comments about those songs. One of them was in the Lifted Up. You know, I've known you for some years, And so I have some sense of who you are, but I was trying to sort out what you meant by the phrase, I salute the Amish and all the other life-affirming products of considering our tolerance for process. 
that one bent my mind. I, I was going to, you know, word diagram it. I wasn't sure what I would come up with. But I have some sense of the Amish because I, I think one of the things that you did on your performing tour at one point, you're doing it by bike. I mean, you talk about reducing your carbon footprint. So I assume that it's connected with some of that. But what did you mean? Do you know what you meant? I know what I meant. Yeah. Thank you for asking. Well, the yeah, the bike reference that you're making is a simplicity thing, right? I did do my last tour on a bike rather than in a car. And what I found was that it was really rather than reducing my carbon footprint and this sort of like focus on the negative impact of our culture and society on the natural world, I was focusing on just like being in the world, <laughs> you know, like what what it was, what was amazing about that trip is that I got to use my body. I got to be outside. I got to interact with the places that I was traveling through. So simplicity isn't just a, isn't just something that we should do out of guilt. <laughs> simplicity is something that improves our lives in a deep way. So that's the first thing that I want to say about that. The Amish line, So I salute the Amish and all the other life-affirming products of considering our tolerance for process. So Max Carter, I just keep I keep referencing Max Carter in this interview and I and I want to say that Max has been Max's stories and his presence have been these seeds for so many songs for me and so many projects that have changed my life and there's just a long list. There's a long list of elders in my life, elders and mentors and people who have been on this spiritual journey with me who have planted all these seeds in my life for these things, these stories to exist and these this journey to be as rich as it is. And after I talk a little bit about the Amish story, <laughs> about how Max Carter planted that seed, I'd love for us to play Giving Life Leaves Marks to close things out here. At the end of Giving Life Leaves Marks, I list off all of these elders and mentors and fellow spiritual adventurers who have made this journey so rich and planted all these seeds for me. And and that song is about the seeds that have been planted and how they're sprouting now and also my own personal process of thinking about how I'm planting seeds and how it feels to be planting seeds and what it means and what our relationship with planting seeds is. So it's this really vibrant exploration of the past and the present and the future. So the story that Max told me about the Amish and I don't know if this was a particular Amish community or if this was sort of I don't I don't really understand how the structures work in the Amish community. I know that there are sort of different branches like there are in Quakerism. So this might be a really simplified version of what happened, but the story that I heard from Max was about cell phones. <laughs> it was about technology, how new technology is introduced to the Amish. And my assumption was that the Amish have just said no new technology. We're going to use our plows and our wagons and our barns and we're sticking to that. You know, we're sticking by our guns no matter what cool stuff you guys come out with. You know, we're not even going to look at an iPhone or whatever. But the truth is, and the story that Max Carter told me, is that the Amish communities take on new technologies and have a trial period for them in which they, you know, they had cell phones for maybe a couple of months or something. And then they get together as a community and make a decision. <laughs> 
they, they get together and they say, how did this affect the body? Was this a healthy addition to the body? Was this sustaining for us? Or was this an unhealthy addition to the body? And is this going to break us apart? You know, <laughs> they just, they make a decision. They have a conversation about it. Whereas out here in the mainstream culture, you know, we're just wildly just thrown in, in from one direction to the other by the corporations who are coming up with these new technologies and the corporations who are making the decisions about how we're going to use them. And they're deeply affecting our communities. You know, the cell phones, the Facebook and YouTube and Twitter, all of these things are you know, just jostling us from one, in one direction to the other and really affecting the way that we interact. And what I heard from this story is that we can have a more intentional relationship with technology. That these technologies, if we acknowledge that they really affect us, and we also acknowledge that we're a part of a body, then we can make a healthy, rational decision about how and when to accept these technologies into our communities. And so I salute the Amish and all the other life-affirming products of considering our tolerance for process. So, you know, a lot of people complain about the Quaker business process because it takes a long time and we have to sit in silence for a long time and listen to people who we wouldn't really want to hear from necessarily. And we all wish it could be sped up and that we had to have less patience for it and that we could make decisions faster. But process is so important. Like microwave popcorn? Right, like microwave popcorn. But, you know, that kettle-cooked stuff is so much better. <laughs> You know, having having that full process and really saying, how does this affect us? What do we want to do? And not just what do we want to do, what does God want us to do? What does the body want from us? What would make the body healthy and happy? How am I contributing to that? Or how am I detracting from that? And to not ask that is to be risking a great deal, is to be risking our relationships with each other and our relationships with God. And so, you know, all the life-affirming products of considering our tolerance for process. Wow. You've really been thinking deeply. And, you know, I think that in a lot of ways you stand for what's best, in my opinion, in engaging with religion, spirituality. I don't get the sense that you feel like you have to do anything except that you feel called in a direction. That's that's how I take what I see from you. It's not like I should or I should look this way, I should be this way, I should speak this way. You're testing a, a leading. And, and if I'm giving you too much credit, tell me to shut up. But <laughs> But that's how I end up seeing it. Well, it's certainly, I mean, that's the burden of vision, right? To be given something by God. And God says, if you do this, it will affect things. <laughs> you know, if you follow me and you listen to me, that's what would be best for the body. And I say, okay, God, you know, it's easy to say, okay, God, I want to do what I want to do your will, you know, make me your servant. But then God asks you to get naked <laughs> in a public square in England in the 17th century. And you're like, oh, God, <laughs> seriously, I, you know, like, I didn't know it was going to be like that. So um, the the should and should not, I mean, I, 
I made a realization at some point in my life that I want the kingdom of heaven on earth. You know, we have this culture of making decisions around what we want to do. Like, uh, what do I want right now? I want chocolate, and I want a nap, and I want to interact with pretty women. And, like, this, these are all things that, like, my ego wants and my body wants, and it's sort of, like, the superficial. And we're, and we're often driven by that in this culture. That's what we're listening to when we don't have God. That's what we're listening to when we don't have a greater sense of the body and how we fit into it. And sort of what I realized is that, yes, I want all of that stuff in the short term. I want sugar, <laughs> you know, like they basically, I want sugar. I want processed sugar. But that it doesn't make me feel good tomorrow, you know, or even in two hours, I'm not going to feel great about that decision. And, you know, my teeth might rot out. And so in 20 years, that's not probably the best decision for me. And then when you take it further, what's the best decision for our children? And we're all having this conversation now about how to change the impact of our industrial society on the earth and how not changing it is going to affect our children and our children's children and our children. And, but, but what about the entire body that we're a part of, which includes our, the future of our species? You know, how can we, if we are in a loving relationship with God then we want what's best for god and that and ultimately that's selfish <laughs> i mean ultimately what we deeply want is to be loved and to be understood and to be in right relationship with the body that we're a part of i mean that's that's ultimately what's best for each of us not sugar <laughs> not whatever it is that we want right now I think it's probably a good thing that this is not sponsored by Sugar Company, I guess, this program. <laughs> High fructose corn syrup. You can't make that realization that what I want right now isn't necessarily what's best for me or what's best for the body that I'm a part of. And that what's best for the body that I'm a part of is what's best for me. You can't make that realization without making a radical commitment, in my opinion making a radical commitment to listening to what the body needs, to what God is calling you to do, to what's most healthy and what's most likely to move us towards the kingdom of heaven on earth. So I don't know, should and should not, that feels like some kind of like external stuff or guilt stuff. And really it's what's best for me <laughs> is what's best for God. And so I'm listening for what's best for God and I'm trying to do that. And I love watching it happen. But you spoke of concluding with a specific song. You want to say anything more about that? Sure, yeah, I'd love to. This is Giving Life Leaves Marks. It's the only song on the album that I use the piano. I play the piano throughout the whole song. There are sort of four different sections of the song. So this was, this was a really ambitious <laughs> song for me to undertake with this violinist marina that I play with. Like I said, it explores the process of planting seeds. And I can't do that without exploring sort of where seed, where, the, where my seeds came from, where my seeds are going. And so I talk about, I talk a lot about my relationship with my parents. And my mom, oh, an interesting story about this song is that my mom found the notes. <laughs> and and the, the last verse to the song is literally a letter to my mom. It starts with, Dear Mom. <laughs> 
<laughs> so it's you know we have yet to really sit down she said that she listened to it in the car the other day and she thanked me for it but it's this deep relationship with where we came from where we're going and and then sort of in right in the middle of the song I, what came through me was to talk a little bit about how to do that how early quickers have taught us to do that and this john woolman quote of letting love be the first motion focusing on love letting love guide us the title of the song is giving life leaves marks and it's um you know it's a, a literal pregnancy thing that that literally leaves marks on your body and also that you know this project has been me giving birth to this thing that i've been pregnant with for quite a while as we said at the beginning of the interview and that it's it's it has totally left its mark on my life my life has changed dramatically because of this art that's come through me from the clothe yourself in righteousness project song is giving life leaves marks john watts let's listen And I've got reason to believe in belief Like having faith in reason Or a seasonal grievance that encapsulates my grief I'll be brief, but my words probably won't Yo, I wrote them when the air was clear and fair and full of hope And I've been living in between defeat and growth With faith my locomotive Quakerism hitches and a whole lot of baggage cars to tote and it's been a long time since childhood I spun around five times to get lost in the woods And now I spin ten, now I know where I've been It doesn't matter where I'm going, all that matters is the way that I walk I'm not soft-spoken, but I'm gentle when I talk yeah, Cause I know we're all broken, we're all in pain I'm witness to the suffering in front of my face The symptoms can diminish when I give them a name I call it pain this is what we're born into, so this is what we'll love We'll love it with our eyes open, knowing that it's rough We'll love it full of hope, knowing loving's not enough It's just a plausible way to stay focused And for your hopelessness, I prescribe love as the first motion We're sowing seeds into this ocean, planting trees And then hoping that their leaves will open and they'll bear fruit Like I'm bearing now Yo, my elders can look upon this song and smile
I can't live without my breath The second best is when I give in to the settlement I'm sediments guest The reason that I've let myself be delicate is that I've listened for what's needed and become As best as I can a man in this culture Instead of a dance, I'm the band And an adult, young and with unsung songs Slung over my shoulder, simple and solemn Sometimes sad before I'm over all the guilt and the pain That this living life can give us Before I was born, I was addressed to be delivered to a midwife in crisis down in Richmond, Virginia I can still feel the power of that room The comfort of the womb The realization that I wasn't facing All this pain and all this loneliness alone Yeah, when still I can call up My mother on the phone Listen for the dial tone Listen, Mom, my teenage years were hard, and I'm sorry. I hope that I didn't leave you too scarred. But I know that you were ready. Giving life leaves marks when you brought me into your arms out of the darkness. It took me 15 years to really open my eyes, and then 10 more to get over all the surprises. And in 10 more years, I'll be taking care of you, and I'm ready. Anything you need me to do, I'm there. I see pictures with your long, straight hair when you were younger than me. And I'm glad that you were happy. I'm glad that you had me. Satisfied with the present and with everything that's past me And as we move into this sad universe I keep remembering you and our connection since birth I keep remembering what our connection is worth I keep remembering And to all my elders Reaping the harvest Max Carter, Scott Pierce Coleman Neonu Span I said to Walter Jelt Sullivan And Deborah Shaw And out to Frank Massey And Mr. Tom Fox And Michelle Levesseur And Jackie Stillwell And out to Frederick Martin and Sheila Gibbard, I said to Robin Josephs and Bob Butamer and out to Timma Oaken, the Esther Haynes and that's West Philly, y'all, my mother Peggy O'Neill, my father Al Watts, my brother Coleman Watts, the community that raised me, the people who made me to do what I'm here to do even though it seems crazy, yes, Life leaves marks. And John, I want to say, I, since I happen to know your mother, I was wondering which things you had to confess that you did wrong. And I don't know if you want to do this on national radio. But. <laughs> I, You know what, Mark? I was just a hard teenager. I mean, and, and she, you know, if she was here, she would agree with that assessment. And does this relate to the lines from Friend Speaks My Mind, uh, I got down with some funky behavior? Is that a bit about it? 
<laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Actually, my mom was what we call a friendly adult presence at the young friends conferences that I went to when I grew up, and she was amazing. She was. It was a space in which I called her Peggy. I stopped calling her mom, and she called me John, even though she loves calling me Jonathan, which is my birth name. And we were able to have this very formal relationship with which released us from judgment of one another. So that actually the funky behavior she was she was she aided and abetted, I have to say. <laughs> but that was that was in the in the later stages of my teenage years, and that was when we really sort of solidified our relationship as I guess peers or as people who could relate to each other as people instead of as roles. So often we're in these roles with our parents and children where, you know, like, and, you know, we still struggle with this of like, she's my mom, she's my parent. And we, she knew me since when I was a baby. And this is just, she's having trouble adjusting to the fact that I'm not a baby. And I'm having trouble adjusting to the fact that I'm not a baby. But my early teenage years, we hadn't we hadn't found that connection yet of going to these young friends conferences and just fully, whole, you know, wholly loving and holding each other without the restri- without the restrictions of the roles that we had been put into in each other's lives, which created a deep relationship between us. But you know, before that and in between conferences, there were some. I mean, you know, anyone who's had teenagers or has been a teenager <laughs> knows that that's a that's a difficult time. And I, as I'm sure you've garnered from this interview, I'm I can be intense. I have intense emotions and intense passions, and I've had a lot of. One of the things that all the elders in my life have done is help help to shape that and help to shape that passion and provide the loving foundation and joy that that can spring from to be a gift in the world. But as a teenager, you know, before any sort of shaping of that, it's just, it's kind of random and it's out of control. And, you know, if I was angry or hurting about something and not knowing how to express it, just being a really passionate person meant that I was really intense. And, you know, we had some really intense times together around that. Well, I thank you for the intense times today listening to your music and hearing what's behind it. I love the currents that I see flowing through you. Thanks for teaching us, leading us, being faithful to the ministry you're called to. Thanks for joining me for Song of the Soul. Thanks so much for having me, Mark. So that was the end of my visit with John Watts on his Clothe Yourself in Righteousness project. Find out more see the videos, and much more at clotheyourselfinrighteousness.com or just follow the link from northernspiritradio.org. So though the interview is over, we still have several more minutes to share. So I'm going to play some more of John's music. You heard mention last week of the somewhat viral, at least by Quaker standards, video that John released called dance party erupts during Quaker meeting for worship. Well, it's based on John's song, Friend Speaks My Mind, so I thought you'd appreciate a chance to hear the full song. Here it is, Friend Speaks My Mind, John Watts. 
I found Quakers when I was just a kid, and now I'm studying them. I hope you know how that is. I got George Fox on my right, James Naylor's on my left, and Margaret Fell is holding us together. Give her some respect. It's that first generation we look back to to find out what being a friend means through and through. I don't fully understand it. I don't know if I can, but I understand enough to know that I am a like, damn, I didn't think that I would do this anymore. I got bored listening to lectures, felt like a chore. But now I'm begging Max Carter just to tell me some more. Oh, Lord. So when I heard this Christian stuff, I get uncomfortable a lot. I'm like, what is
Friend Speaks My Mind, from John Watts' CD, The Art of Fully Being. Let's go out for today's Song of the Soul with one more song by John, another of my favorites from The Art of Fully Being. It's called, We Are Lovers of Our Lost Earth. And the mantra I carry with me from this song is, Inhale, Exhaust, Exhale, Love, calling us to a profound alchemy of spirit by John Watts. Unlike friendship, because I'll never go away, I'm like a drop of rain on a cloudy day, and I'm awake as if I never went to sleep, and now I'm dancing in the street as if there was no street. Now I'm alone, and I'm surrounded. I could try to find myself a home, but houses are too crowded. My living situation here, foundation's just been founded. I spend my time considering considerations, boundaries. Don't look at me, because I'm old. Don't say you've heard of me because my story's not been told I'm living underground, this year the surface is too cold It's a landslide, landslide, rebounding these old roads It's inhale, exhaust, exhale I've left behind me Struggles I've climbed To find peace of mind Inside me When blind luck Leads us there It's fine But just look between the lines That all the lives denied We deny love So it's about hope And it's about How everyone has courage In their throat It's about the Lies that vie For our attention Leading us to places Too tangential to mention yeah, I could give you names And I could name dates And I could focus On the means To end all the debates But this is music It's elusive I've produced it exclusively and it leads to loose conclusions which destroy illusions usefully I don't like running in place so now I'm walking in the city carbon monoxide in my lungs I feel empty, we cut down all the trees so now it's up to us, we've got to inhale, exhaust, exhale love
somber Others find a way that they can speak while they're choking It's not about that shows yet we can each pick up something We'll find a way to get a little bit of breath Again, today's Song of the Soul guest was spoken word artist and musician, John Watts. Find him at johnwatts.com or clotheyourselfinrighteousness.com. See you next week for Song of the Soul, hopefully without this cold. Come on, I'm lifted up, and now I'm lifting others with me When my silence is serenity is a sign I'm living simply And I'm simply living in this complex world that we've been given and I salute the Amish and all the other life-affirming products of considering our tolerance for process. It's like a long conversation in which everyone's involved, like a deep breath before you make that phone call. It's like a solemn, sullen song that's been written and exists solely so some monks can laugh only after in sadness they've sung along. Yo, I'm saying maybe our sadness is a natural reaction to the sad state of living that's been so in fashion. This is Babylon and this is heaven on earth. And since the day of my birth, every breath has been work and it's worth it. A solemn, sullen song is just a surface. It's a tool to be used for a purpose. Celebrating life, celebrating yearning, celebrating sadness and our infinite capacity for learning how to be sad and joyful in the midst of all this mess. Learning how to love life and our the theme music for Song of the Soul is by Chris Williamson, and it's called Song of the Soul. My name is Mark Helpsmeet, and this is a Northern Spirit Radio production. You can listen to this program again, track down the list of songs included, and a whole lot more on my website, northernspiritradio.org. And I invite you to share your Song of the Soul with my listeners. Just contact me via my website. And please, join me weekly for Song of the Soul. You can be happy.